So I was in Walmart uh, recently, and I was in the electronics department, and I found a gadget that must have been made for me. Uh, it was a little key ring with, with, with a white square on it, and I'm guessing what it does is, because I didn't buy it, <clears throat> but I'm guessing what it does is it will alert you to where you placed your keys, your missing keys, in my case. I'm guessing you could probably punch something up on your phone, and that thing will will ring for you, and, and it will alert, alert you to where you mistakenly placed your keys. Um, as, as I've said before, I have a terrible time putting things different places. And, and so I thought to myself, if, if I buy this key ring, where will it end? You know, do I ask them for my checkbook? Do I ask them for my pen? You know, I mean, like, well, what's going to happen next? My phone, where'd it go? You know, it's just, to, to use my phone to find my key ring, I have to know where my phone is. You know, so that's that's the problem, you see. Um, my wife, on the other hand, because I have her, everything's okay. Because she is like a human GPS. It's like, I, I can say, where's the checkbook top drawer? You know, have you seen my keys? Well, yeah, they're sitting right over on the counter, right? We're in the, you know, yeah, th- there they are. You know, that's where they're at. Of course they're there. That's the way it is around our house. So thankfully, God knew what he was doing when he put us together. I have weaknesses and she has strengths. And we're not going to reverse that and talk about her weaknesses because I don't I don't know what those are. They don't have any. Um, on the I better be careful. Um, over the over the weekend we were discussing we had a soccer game in Three Lakes and a, and a soccer game a tournament in Monaco and we were talking about who's going to take who where you know and the Monaco guy had the longer day that was me uh, but but I said no what if we traded and I did the Three Lakes game. And, and I'll sing the national anthem instead of you, Christy, you know. I can do this. And then she said, she said, go ahead, you know, let's hear you. And so I, I started singing a little bit of it. This is just like Friday. I started singing a little bit of it. And I think I shocked everybody with how good it was. Do you want to hear it? No way. No way. Um, look, we're... We're, we're all good at certain things, you know, and there's certain things we're not so good at. Let me tell you something. When I was growing up, there was something that I was good at. And let me tell you what it is. I might not remember where I put my keys or my checkbook, but I have an awesome short-term memory. It, it, it's fantastic. And when I would be in school, I would take tests, and I had to study half the time as everybody else because I would just, like, put it in the file short-term. You know, science test, short term. And I'd take that test and I'd score high. And other people are studying for hours and they'd score low. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just a thing, you know. And I always wondered, like, besides getting through tests, what in the world is a good short-term memory for? Like, what do you do with that? Like, what can you do with short-term memory that will help you in your career? And, and, and of course, it's funny because I usually preach... Without notes, I, I don't look at my notes very much for the very reason that I can do it because I have a short-term memory. But ask me tomorrow what I said. I have no idea. No idea. Remember that story you told them yesterday? I don't know. I don't know what it was. No idea. But it's not quite that short, okay? It's not quite that bad. But, but it is short-term, and I know that's how God made me, so I might as well use it. We're in a series on spiritual gifts, and... Spiritual gifts are not the same as natural abilities. Those aren't the same thing. You know, God gave you some natural abilities. I could tell my kids, you know, if any of you forget things where you put them, that's on me. You know, that's on me. I gave that to you. I'm sorry. And all the good stuff, that's from mom. That's just the way it is. 
So uh, we, we get natural abilities handed down to us. God, God still orchestrates that. You know, his grace is still in that, you know. And some things you develop, you know, like, like, like maybe you, you feel like maybe there's a little musical ability and you start to work on it. You take guitar lessons or piano lessons and you want to develop that ability, you know. Some people have no musical ability and that won't work. But, but maybe you developed a gift or maybe it was handed down to you from your mom or dad. Whatever. Spiritual gifts are different. They're only given to believers. And they're given to people that place their faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. And when you get those, God expects us to use them. And they're all essential to the body. I didn't say this a few weeks ago when we did the whole, you know, the hand and the feet. You know, fortunately, nobody hears the appendix, you know, where you can just get rid of it. It doesn't matter, you know, just, just let it go. How many of you don't have your appendix in you this morning? And if you're living without it, a lot of you, and you're like, you're, you're okay, right? But here's the thing. If you don't use your gifts, the church is not okay. Like, it's not like we can just say, oh, we can get rid of Ralph. You know, we don't need him. You know, it's not like that. We're, we're all part of the body. All of our gifts are useful. And, and the question is, and the question I'm going to answer this morning, hopefully, is how do you discover what your gifts are? How does that whole thing work out? You know, I learned I'm a good test taker. Because I have a good short-term memory. And I, and I did that because I was given a test. You know, how do you figure out a spiritual gift? So turn to Romans 12, and we're going to take a look at that question. As you turn to Romans 12, you know, of course, <clears throat> we, we all know that there's, there's no, like, checklist in the Bible. Like, do A, B, C, and D, and boom, you know, your spiritual gift. But I do think when Paul writes Romans 12 which is all about spiritual gifts, all about serving others. When he writes this chapter, I think if you were in the first century, you know, and you were in Rome and you read this thing, I think there are clues to understanding what your gift is and, and how, to, how to figure that whole thing out. I think it's in there, even if he doesn't say, do step one, two, and three, boom, you got your gift. Okay? All right. Here we are, Romans 12. If you're not there, uh, get there and we'll... There should be a Bible in the seat in front of you if you need one. Here's what Paul says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members don't all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let's use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, its service and our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Maybe you've looked at Romans 12 before. Maybe you've memorized Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's a pretty famous passage, I think. But maybe you haven't thought about it in the direct context of spiritual gifts. 
Paul says in Romans 12.1, he uses one of his favorite uh, Greek words, uh, parakaleo. Parakaleo means I urge you, I appeal to you. It's, it's a word used sometimes of generals urging their troops into battle. Like, come on guys, let's, it's time to go, let's do this. And yet, we know that Paul's not acting like a dictator here and saying, I urge you. His appeal is not based on, if you don't do this, you will die. You know, it's not from Mount Sinai thundering down to the people. How does Paul parakaleo, how does he urge people? How does he appeal to them? And what does the text say? By the mercies of God. He appeals by the mercies of God. Not do it or else. It's, it's think about everything God has done for you. So number one is this. Num- number one goes like this. How do we discover our gifts? Number one, I think this is a great place to start. By mercy we offer our bodies as an act of worship. A living sacrifice. Now, the mercy word is really important, okay? And that's what Paul says, by the mercies of God. Um, mercy here, the word um, is, has the idea of compassion. Um, it, it's a word only used four or five other places in the New Testament. There's another word for mercy that's more often used. But in this case, he's saying his, God's mercies, his compassions. And so when I think of this, I think everything Paul has said in Romans 1 through 11 have gotten us to this point. You know, there's this, all this heavy theology, and now there's worship. And, and, so, and so maybe you've heard it said, theology ought to always lead to, doxolo- you know, um, uh, to doxology. It, it should lead, theology should lead to praise. It should lead to worship. Okay? So, by mercy we offer our bodies. So, so here's Paul. Um, every, everything I've just said, everything in Romans 1 through 11, he is calling the mercies of God. I mean, you think about this. I'll just give you a few. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Or how about Romans 5? But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How about Romans 8? There's now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. How about Romans eight sixteen? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How about Romans 8.38? I'm sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And, and, and I could have gone longer. I could, I could have read more verses. But, but just a snippet of when he says, by the mercies of God, I appeal to you. The word mercy um, is, I want to make sure I say it right, um, Oiktermas. I mean, there, there's even that, that, oh, oiktermas. It's, it's like this, it's like this, oh, you know, it comes from deep within. <clears throat> it's the mercies of God. It's the compassion of God. And because of everything God has done for you, saving you, loving you, sending his son to die for you, because of all of those mercies, Paul can say, your response is to offer your body as a living sacrifice. That's your act of worship. Not a dead sacrifice, not a bull or a goat, but a living, breathing sacrifice. One that's going to use his or her body to serve the Lord. This is our motivation for service. We consecrate ourselves. Before we do anything, we say, God, I am yours. And so I want to say this. One of the problems we run into when we serve other people is 
there's a lot of other motivations that go on in the back of our mind. I, th- I think if we're being honest, sometimes we serve because it makes us look good. You know, it's like, look at me. And it's not like, look at Jesus and me. It's like, look at me. I'm a great person. I'm serving. And, and Paul would say, no, you're just worshiping God when you do this. It's a God-centered thing, not, not, a, not a you-centered thing. For other people, maybe it's um, you serve because it makes you feel good. You know, you feel better. I'm sure you've heard somebody say, serving makes you feel good. And it does. That's like totally true. But that's not the reason we're given to serve people. Because I'll sleep better tonight. Because I can feel good about the good kind of person I am. It's for God. And and we don't serve to like earn his favor. Like like for some people it's like, I got to serve because I feel like then God is smiling at me. You know, I, I feel like his favor is on me. As if Jesus didn't do enough to earn that favor that God has on you. The mercies that he's given to you. That Jesus accomplished on the cross. Somehow you think you need to accomplish it. I think our motivation for service always has to be checked by Romans 12.1. Am I doing this as an act of worship for God? Or is this somehow about me? And when it becomes about you... People can see that, first of all. That's a problem. But, but also, I, I, don't, I don't know that you serve long-term if it's all about you. I don't know if you serve long-term if you're doing it to earn favor. At some point, that thing breaks. And, and, and you become disgusted with why you're doing what you're doing. And you step back. You can't, you can't put on the charade anymore. It's not for God anymore. It always starts with consecration. It always starts with, God, I am yours. You can do whatever you want with me. I'm a living sacrifice. Secondly, um, by faith, number two, by faith, we evaluate ourselves with sober judgment. Would you look at verse three? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. And so Paul confronts right away that this idea that for many of us, we, we look at gifts and, and, and we, want, we want the best gift to highlight us. And we think maybe more highly of ourselves. It's about our ego. And that can be a problem with spiritual gifts, to think more of ourselves than we should. I can sing the national anthem. I can do a great job at that. I can do it. Or, or can I? You know, do I really have that gift? You know, when we used to watch American Idol, when it used to be popular, you know, you'd always watch the people that came in and they had no idea that they had no singing voice whatsoever. And that's why they showed those clips, because it was, just, it was ridiculous. But the question is, are you using sober judgment when you use your gift or when you think about what your gift is? Are you exercising sober judgment? Are you doing it by faith? I think the by faith is very important. Well, let me put it like this. Faith is my trust in God. My trust in Christ as my Savior. And so as I want to discover my gifts, I need to evaluate myself and what I'm doing. And I can only do that as I keep my eyes on Christ. I can only evaluate myself correctly when my eyes are not primarily on me, but are on him. I, I think there's another problem we have today with evaluation. It goes like this. 
Some of you feel like you're not worth a lot anyway. you You don't think too highly of yourself. You think too little of yourself. And you're not the appendix, you know. That's not who you are. You were made to be useful and functional in the body of Christ. He's given you a gift, but you think so little of it. Maybe it's a behind-the-scenes gift, whatever it is, so you don't step out and use it because no one's going to notice me if I do anything or not. But Paul says, use sober judgment, and you've got to do it in accordance to the measure of faith Christ has given to you. Here's my question. I have no answer this morning, by the way, for this question, but something you can think about later. If, if we're supposed to use our gifts in accordance to the measure of faith, if we're supposed to judge ourselves according to the measure of faith that we've been given, what happens to our gift when our faith grows? Like, like, like when you just grow naturally as a believer. What do you think happens to your gift, that the measure of faith that you have? I've just, just been asking myself that. Does the gift grow with it? Does it look different as you use it? Do you use it in different contexts? I, I don't know, but I, but I think something happens when faith grows. I think something happens with your gift as well. But when you want to discover what your gift is, you ought to keep looking at Jesus, keep your eyes on him, and because it's, it's not primarily about you. Evaluate yourself with sober judgment. Um, I also think, and I think this is very true based on what we said last week, when it talks about leaders in the church equipping the saints for works of service, we talked about Ephesians last week, I think when you evaluate yourself, you want to get other people to help you in that evaluation. Let other people help equip you. Let them evaluate you too. I don't think it's just a you and God thing. I think Paul expands it in Ephesians and says, let the pastors, let the teachers, let the evangelists, let them equip the saints for the work of ministry. Let them speak into it. Okay, number three in discovering the gift. I think this is so great, you know. So, okay, so I evaluate myself. I I give myself to God. I, I consecrate myself. Then I evaluate myself. And then thirdly, I think by grace, you've got to step out. You just, you just step out and you start serving people and, and you see how grace is applied. You see how grace shows up. And it gets to be exciting, you know. You just, you just say something. You, you open your mouth and you're scared to share your faith. And it's like, wow, that just came out so smoothly. It, w- it was like grace. And, and God's like, that's because it is grace. You couldn't have done it without me. You know, I gave this to you. And I think that's the grace part. You just step out to use it. Here's what Paul says. Did you notice how he talks about himself? Uh, Verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, you know, Paul's like, the only reason I can write this down in the Bible, in, in, in this letter that I'm sending to you, is because God has given me grace to write it. You know? I can only say it because I've received grace. And so it is with us. The only reason we can step out and serve and do anything of value is because God has given us grace to do it. And so he says later, um, verse 6, having grace that, that gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So let's say you don't know your gift. I hope you hear me on this one. You step out and you serve somewhere with your hands or with your mouth. I think most spiritual gifts kind of get divided into things that we do and things that we say. Maybe leadership and administration may look a little, a little different than that. But, but 
things that you do or things that you say. And so you open your mouth and you share your faith and see what happens. Maybe you feel like there might be a gift of teaching. So teach and see what happens. Maybe you think you have the gift of acts of mercy. So go serve someone in need and and drive them to the doctor or deliver a meal to them. Do something merciful and see what happens. Maybe you think you have the gift of helps. And, and, And so you come alongside ministry leaders and you're like, I'm your volunteer, plug me in. And you plug it and you, you serve the fun club meal and you just like, you just deliver it and you wipe the tables when it's over. It's just like, there you go. And, and, and you stand back and, and you look at what you've done. More, more precisely, you look at what God has done through you and you're like, there is something grace filled about what has just happened here. Like, I, I just stepped up to do this and like, God did something with it. And I hope that all of you have those discovery moments where it's, where it's you helping somebody and then God saying, look at the grace I'm pouring out on that gift right now. And you're like, aha, I see it. I see it. I've been wrestling, you know, this week and the last few weeks with, you know, what's a place of spiritual gifts tests, you know, inventories, assessments. I have nothing against them, you know, really, personally, I have nothing against them. I think they can be helpful in like getting an idea of what, what things should I be looking for. But I think you take the test, you take the assessment, the assessment's not going to show you the grace, is it? You're only going to see the grace when you step out to do it. And so if you try to overanalyze yourself, and if you do number two to the detriment of number three, if you evaluate yourself to the point where you're not looking for grace, you're going to miss it. If you do sober judgment all day long, you'll never get to seeing what God wants to do through you. There's my warning. Those are the three things I see in Romans. What I want to do now for application is take... So so for those of you that are new here, uh, every Sunday we do a thing called cross-training. And we talk about the sermon. And people ask questions and, and, and we get answers, and sometimes I write those questions down, and I think, I'm going to address those later in a future sermon. I'd like to address some of those questions. Instead of regular application, I want to do some questions. I want, I want to transition a little bit to some things I heard in cross-training that I think will be helpful for all of us in the last minutes we have. Some practical concerns. The first one. What if I am worn out from using my gift? You know, this is the person that is a strong servant and they're using their gift in maybe different places and, and, and they feel like the hours are adding up and they're taking their toll. What do you do with that? When all the things you've done are starting to take the toll on you and you're losing your enthusiasm, you're losing your, your, your you feel like you're losing your strength to keep doing it. What do you do with that? I would first remind you that Paul was worn out himself, right? Like, read 2 Corinthians 1 and 2. And Paul's using his gifts, and he's like, we despaired of life, you know? Like, you're planting churches, but you're also getting beaten down by authorities, you know? And and so, stepping out to use your gifts in grace doesn't mean there's not pushback. There's going to be pushback. There's going to be people that say, keep your mouth closed. And you're like, I feel like I have the gift of evangelism, but everybody hates me, you know. Well, maybe you should look at how you do it. That might be a good thing. But but maybe it's just that there's a very antagonistic 
group of people around you, you know, and maybe this is tough and there's pushback. They started riots when Paul shared in different places, right? Like this happens and that can wear you out. Being in jail, being whipped, that can wear you out. I think you have two options in front of you when it comes to being worn out. I want to share both of these and I'm not assuming that I know which one is for you. And maybe there's option three or four. But here's two that I would give you. I know I have to answer this in a more simple way on Sunday morning. I would give you two options. Number one, do you need to persevere in using your gift? I mean, for some of you, it's like, yeah, you're going to get pushed back. I've gotten pushed back, but I'm not going to back down. So persevere. Step into it. Keep using your gift. Know that God's grace will be there in the weakness and keep going. Don't stop. Don't be weary in doing good. Step into it. And know that if you're a Christian, there's going to be opposition. Like, that's the promise. And so part of it might just be our expectations. I thought using my gift would be so good and everybody would love me and welcome me and say it was so good that you did that. And now they're not. Maybe that's the wrong expectation when you use your gift. I mean, I hope nobody starts a riot like, like you know, in, like they did for Paul. But, but right? Here's the second thing you can think about. So, so maybe God isn't saying into your heart, step in and persevere. Maybe God is saying to you, step back and take a Sabbath. You know, take a Sabbath rest, recharge, go away onto the mountain like Christ did with his disciples. Retreat a little bit like Elijah did when he felt like life was just too heavy after Mount Carmel. And he's like, I just want to die, you know. And so God let him rest and God brought him food. God supplied his needs as he retreated a little bit. Now, he had to step back into it eventually. And so will you eventually. But what about a Sabbath rest to recharge and regroup and to refocus in how you're using your gift and ask the Lord, am I using it the right way? Like, is this pushback because maybe I'm doing something that's not quite right? Or is this just spiritual warfare pushback? I think in in Sabbath rest, you can ask those questions and explore them and talk to a friend, a mentor, a pastor, and get some of those answers. That's what I would tell you if you're getting worn out from using your gift. Second question out of three. What if I am stopped from using my gift? What if there's something stopping me? Is it a physical limitation, financial concern? Or it could be that the church doesn't recognize your gift or you just don't see an outlet for it in the, in the programming of the local church. But, but something is blocking you from stepping up to use what you think, out of sober judgment, is your gift. What do you do with that? And I've talked to multiple people who, you know, even recently that have said this. I think this is a, this is a big concern for a lot of us. I think it came up a few times last week. Let me say this first of all. If church leadership doesn't affirm your gift, it could be an evaluation issue. No one wants to hear that. But I'm not going to be Simon Cowell saying, you stink, get off the stage. You know, I'm not that guy, right? 
Hopefully, whoever says it to you is going to be gracious and they're going to be like, I I think maybe there's a different thing for you here, you know, and I want to help you discover what that is. Hopefully, any leader in your life will be gracious and they'll speak the truth to you because they love you and they want to see you effectively using your gift. But the question is, can you receive that? Can you receive that direction? I've met people, I don't know if I met them here, but I know I've met people that have not been able to receive that direction. What? I can't be on? I, I, I can't do this ministry that I've wanted to do? What? And, and, and maybe there's a good reason, maybe not, but I'd say, I'd say responding in a healthy way to church leadership is really important. And I know that sounds self-serving because I'm a pastor, but I do think that that humility it takes to say, okay, I trust that you're looking into my life and you care about me as you're speaking into this. Trust your church leaders. But let's say, secondly, let's say church leaders have affirmed this gift. You just don't see any place to use it. Like, like I was told by my pastor that this is a gift I have, and I just don't see a place to use it. Let me suggest this, and this may be the best thing you've heard all morning. Listen to this. To use your gift, you don't need a program. You need a person. You need a person. To use your gift, you need to bless, build up, reach out, help somebody else. And we don't need a program to do that. You don't need me to release you to do that. You just need to do it. Okay? We could create dozens of new ministries based on all sorts of gift mix. But you're you, and you're free in Christ. Get out there and use it. And like somebody said last week in cross-training, it doesn't have to be within these four walls. It can be out there. And nobody even needs to know about it but you and the Lord and the person you're blessing. Um, Hopefully that's good news for you. I would say maybe there's an alternate place to use your gift if you're blocked in one place. And if you've been affirmed by leadership, look for that new place and ask the Lord, God, would you send someone into my life that I could bless, that I could use this gift with? And God, I'll wait on you. I'll be looking, but I'll be waiting on you to do that. Number three, what if I don't see my gift on the list? In other words, the Bible list. What if it's not there? You've heard me say this probably before. No two spiritual gifts lists in the Bible are the same. They're always different. The one in Romans is different than the one in Ephesians, right? They're just, they're just different. They're different than the one in 1 Corinthians. You've seen all the main ones already on Sunday morning now. I'm probably going to take some time and go through them all at some point in the series. But let me just say this right now. If Paul has a different gift list every time he writes to a different group of people, maybe that means there's gifts he didn't mention, Right? And and maybe your gift would be one that he didn't mention. And so look and see, how do I build up people? You know, there's no gift of sound mixing. To pick on Nate back there, you know. There's no gift of of, of tech, you know, the sound tech. There's no gift of tech support when the computer in the church office goes down, you know. But, But you can understand that. You can do it. You have a good ear to hear what it should sound like up here. So use the gift. Now, if you... If you want a biblical term for it, I mean, you could say it like this. 
I have the gift of service in the area of sound. You know? That's my area. I like that because of this. Because it kind of gives a biblical word to what you're doing. You know, it might be a catch-all, but it gives a biblical word to the specific thing that you are doing. Is there a gift of, you know, leading in worship? Maybe, maybe not. It's not, it's not, in, the, it's not in the Bible, but how about a gift of leadership that you can apply to worship? You can apply to a lot of different areas of your life. There's a general gift of, I have a gift of leadership, and I can see using it in different places. I mean, how about that? So, so if you look at the gifts and, and you say, here's what I can do, how does that match what the gifts in the Bible say? And if you have to come up with your own term, we'll ask that in cross-training, if you have your own term for what you do, good. I, I don't think Paul would be against that. I don't think the Lord is against that. The point is, God has gifted all of us, and he expects us to use our gifts to build up the body of Christ. As we come to the close here, um, can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes? These gifts come to us from Christ. If you're not a believer, you don't have one yet. And our message is that Christ has died for you. He loves you. He paid for your sin. And he invites you to know him personally. If you want to put your faith in him today, would you pray something like this in your own heart? Lord Jesus, I know that I need you. And today I admit that I am a sinner. But I believe you died for me. And today's the day where it all became clear. And so I give my life to you. Even as a living sacrifice. I am yours. And now you can do whatever you want with me. It is so good to know that you've forgiven me. You've given me new life. In Jesus' name I pray.